Welcome to Matan's Parsha podcast, Sefer Dvarim. Each week, a different Matan teacher will share words of Torah to illuminate the Parsha and your week. Today's Shiur and Parsha Nitzavim will be given by Dr. Chana Tannenbaum, who has been involved in Jewish education for over 30 years and has been lecturing in Matan since 2015. Hello from Jerusalem. Today we will be talking about Parshat Nitzavim. Nitzavim opens up on the last day of Moshe's life, in which he is formalizing a new covenant between the Jewish people and God. And this covenant will be in force not only for that generation that is about to enter the land, but for all future generations. This covenant includes some new elements that have not been present before, including the concept of communal responsibility, the idea that members of the Jewish nation are responsible for the spiritual well-being of their fellow Jews. While hidden sins are for God to address, those sins which take place in public must be dealt with. The nation is not permitted to simply live and let live. Because doing so, in fact, is a formula for the individual and for national disaster and ruin. The Jewish people entered into this covenant that's compelling them to keep Torah and mitzvot, and the Torah must be studied by every Jewish person according to his level. Torah in its entirety and all of the mitzvot included are in there are part of the covenant that Moshe is formulating with this new generation. Moshe reassures the people that it is not an impossible task. The Torah is not something that is only meant for the elite, nor is it something that's too far away for the individual. It's rather something that everyone can relate to. Moshe then prophesizes about the eventual repentance and redemption that the Jewish people will experience at the end of days, after many trials and tribulations, exiles and oppressions they, that they will face over the course of history. God will see that the nation has returned to him with all their heart and all their soul, and he will respond in kind by bringing the Jewish people back to their land and showering them with renewed blessing. Parshat Nitzavim is always read before Rosh Hashanah. Most people think it is because it contains the Parsha of redemption and tshuva, and of course it brings us into the proper mindset for the high holy days. But Nitzavim also concludes with Moshe exhorting the nation to understand that God has placed a choice before them at this time. Life and good, death and curse. Choose life, Moshe says, so that you can enjoy the destiny that God promised to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. The verses that we will be looking at today are these verses that describe this choice that occur in Devarim chapter 30, Verse 15 to 19. And there Moshe says to the people, Re'eh, natati lefanecha hayom et hachayim ve'et hatov ve'et hamavet ve'et hara. Behold, I have set before you today life and good, 
death and evil. And then in the next couple of psukim, Moshe continues in saying, if you do the mitzvot, if you love God, if you go in his ways and keep his mitzvot, then God will bless you in the land. But if you turn away the low shatishma and you will not listen, then you will be lost and you will not. You will be exiled and you will not be able to continue living in the land. And that day, Moshe says, I call upon the heavens and the earth. Again, I set before you life and death, bracha uklala, both blessing and curse, ubacharta bechayim, and you should choose life, laman tichye atta uzar echa, so that you and your children will continue to live. Now, this is actually not the first time that Moshe has presented such an idea. Actually, in Devarim chapter 11, verse 26, there too, Moshe says, See, I place before you blessing and curse. Chapter 11 and chapter 30 are bookends to the part of Sefer Devarim that contains all of the mitzvot. Some of them are new mitzvot that we learn about only in Devarim. And some of them are mitzvot that are repeated from other sources, other places in Torah. So in other words, Moshe introduces the section of the mitzvot saying, I place before you blessing and curse. And then at the very end of that very long section from chapter 11 to chapter 13, again, Moshe says, See today, I'm giving you life and good, death and evil. And here at the end of the book, Moshe clearly says, I recommend that you choose life. So that life is Chaim, it is the blessing, it is obviously the preferred way of living, and the opposite of that is called death, mavet, and klala. So in summation, Parshat Nitzavim is emphasizing that man has been given the responsibility to choose between good and evil. This is one of the vital foundations of human and religious existence, namely that there really is free choice. People are free to choose their paths, but they also must take responsibility for those choices. These verses explicitly state that there, that reality is composed of good and evil and that there really is an objectively good path and an objectively evil path. The good path leads to reward and blessing, while the evil path leads to curses. The Torah makes people responsible for their actions and thereby, therefore, accountable for their fate. It is through a person's actions that their fate is sealed. And this is another reason why we're reading this Parsha before the High Holy Days. The Torah is asserting that there is good and there is evil, and this, these is hard cord into nature. There is right and wrong, there is truth and falsehood, and humans are responsible to choose the right path, 
And the Torah establishes that it's not necessarily easy to make the correct choice. Our verse said that Moshe Rabbeinu says to the people that I am putting before you today. Rav Moshe Feinstein explained that the word today comes to teach us that every single day we are faced with this choice. And failure to choose wisely yesterday does not necessarily mean that today is a lost cause. Likewise, today's success is not necessarily an indicator for tomorrow's outcome. Each day, a person must reconsider the options and make wise choices all over again. The Rambam, Maimonides, in Hilchot Tshuva, in chapter 5, Halacha Aleph, tells us, free will is granted to all men. If one desires to turn himself to the path of good and be righteous, the choice is his. Should he desire to turn to the path of evil and be wicked, the choice is his. Rambam then quotes a pasuk from Breshit Perek Gimel, which we will come back to. Rambam says, this idea that all humanity has free will is based on the Torah statement in Breshit chapter 3, Behold, man has become unique as ourselves, knowing good and evil. I.e., the human species becomes singular in the world with no other species resembling it in the following quality that man can, on his own initiative, with his knowledge and thought, know good and evil and do what he desires. So the Rambam clearly states, and we all understand why this is in the chapter of Tshuva, that man has the ability through his intelligence and through the God-given talents that he has to be able to make these decisions. In Halachabet, Rambam continues and says, a person should not entertain the thesis held by fools among the Gentiles and the majority of the undeveloped among Israel that at the time of a man's creation, the Holy One, blessed be he, declares he will be righteous or wicked. This is untrue. Each person is fit to be righteous like Moshe or wicked like Jehoram. Similarly, he may be wise or foolish, merciful or cruel, miserly or generous, or acquire any other character trait. There is no one who compels him, sentences him, or leads him towards either of these two paths. Rather, he, on his own initiative and decision, tends to the path that he chooses. So now we want to ask a fundamental question. If a human being is being given the two choices, choose life or choose death, who's going to choose death? In other words, what kind of choice? Nobody's going to say, would you like to stick your hand into a food processor? Nobody would say, oh, yes, please. Thank you. So why would somebody, why when somebody says choose life or choose death, what does it mean that somebody would really have the actuality? Is there really a choice here to choose death? And when you talk about choice, there really have to be two legitimate um, options. So we're going to offer a number of different suggestions as to what is really being offered to the nation and all their future generations at this point in time.
Rabbi Noah Weinberg explains that the Torah talks about death. It does not simply mean the state of not being alive. The Torah is warning us what death represents. And in order to understand what death means, we need to develop our understanding of the opposite, life. When the Torah talks about life, it does not mean breathing. Rather, life is the process of growing in one's divine service and working on one's character. And the Abarbanel explains as well that the observance of mitzvot should not be governed and adapted to life, but rather life should be adapted to the demands of mitzvot. So that what does it mean to live? It means to live according to God's will, according to Torah and mitzvot. Rabbi Sachs takes it in a little bit different direction, and he says choosing life means to engage with life not to take refuge from it. It seems that in order to really develop a relationship with other people, there's a certain amount of risk involved. And he says that that taking the risk of love, commitment, loyalty, that's what living means, according to Rabbi Sachs. It means living for something larger than just what's in it for you. It's about how you relate to other people as well. Fascinatingly, the Talmud Yerushalmi in Kedushin, in page 19, is having a discussion about what is the responsibility that a parent has to their children. And then the Gemara brings a verse to prove, indeed, the statements that it's making. So one of the requirements that the Gemara says is that a parent has the obligation to teach their child a trade so that he has the ability to live, to support himself. And the pasuk that the Gemara quotes is actually this pasuk that we're talking about, choose life, which means give your child an ability to live by teaching them a profession. Dr. Lamb, speaking in 1969, which is so interesting, says that this pasuk teaches us that choosing life means not to escape life, that rather you have to make a living, you have to learn a profession, you cannot escape through chemical means, through any other means, and the idea is to actually engage in life. Rav Hirsch, talking about the father's obligation in Chorev, says that choose life is to be taken in the most complete sense of the word. Teach him Torah to mentally and spiritually equip him for life, and a trade physically and physically and economically equip him for life. So he is actually, first is actually combining these two different answers that we've given till now. Rabbeinu Yonah, sees this verse as a requirement to perform mitzvot with joy and with love and with meaning rather than practice the mitzvot just out of habit. And finally, Rev. Dessler notices that first Moshe had said, um, 
I'm putting before you life. But then at the end, we read that last verse where Moshe says to him, and choose life. So Rev. Dessler explains, when we talk about life and death, those are things that men are given. People have inborn traits. Somebody is tall, somebody is short, somebody is smart, somebody is talented, somebody can sing, somebody else can play the piano. Whatever it is, those inborn talents, Rev. Dessler says, that's life. And whatever it presents to you, you have very little you can do about it. But when Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, choose life, what he's really saying is take all that you are given and do something with it. And every single being has different challenges and different choices to make. And you should not look at other people, but you should choose to use those things that you were given and make it a meaningful existence. So if we sum up what we've said till now, Moshe Rabbeinu is presenting the people with perhaps a choice between which path they want to go down, and he's telling them to choose the good, which we explained as living according to divine rule, taking the risk in connecting with others, engaging in the world both spiritually and physically, doing mitzvot with meaning, and finally, doing lead, leading your life with your challenges and choices. But interestingly enough, if we think about it for a minute, this is not the first time we have come in contact with the term tov vira. This should actually remind you of the Garden of Eden. With the tree of knowledge, Tov Vara, contained in the garden. In chapter 2 in Breshit, it says, God caused to sprout from the ground. All kinds of trees that were pleasant to look at and nice to eat. The Eitz Hachayim, Betoch Hagan, the Eitz Hadat, Tov Vara. And amongst the trees, there is the tree of life, and there is also the tree of knowledge, of tov vera, of good and evil. And what would happen on the day that man ate from these trees? On the day you will eat from it, you will be subject to death, mavet. So therefore, in chapter 2 of creation in Breshit, we're finding the same terms, good, evil, chayim, v'mavet, as well. So the curses and the blessings and the choices of life and death are bringing us full circle back to the beginning of Torah and to the creation of the world. You should view it sort of as a circle the way we actually read the Parshiot, because we're reading Nitzavim now. And in a couple of weeks, just in a few weeks, we're going to be reading Breshit again. Rabbi Liebtag notices that the textual parallel is also strengthened by another resemblance in the story of creation. Note the heaven and the earth. Of course, at the beginning of the creation story, God creates heaven and earth. 
And here, in order to witness the covenant, Moshe clearly calls on that very same Shamayim and Aretz in heaven and earth in order to witness the covenant. So what do we learn from this textual parallel? So the fact is that Gan Eden, in its environment, actually strongly resembles the environment that Sefer Devarim is trying to create in the land of Israel. Both of these environments have a special relationship and a special environment between man and God with an emphasis of schar v'onesh, reward and punishment. You do it, you will be rewarded. If you don't do, you will not be rewarded. What is the punishment in both of these situations when somebody doesn't choose well? Exile. Adam HaRishon, Adam is banished from the garden as a result of his choice. And as we just read in the verses, it clearly says, if you choose wrong, you too will be banished. In another example, the Sferno in Breshit, in chapter 1, when mankind, when God says, let us create man, bisalmenu kid mutenu, in our image, the Sferno says that God has no image. So what does it mean that man is created in God's image? It is that man is created with free choice, not like the angels who act under divine compulsion. In this respect, though the angels are celestial beings, they do not resemble man. In this respect, man is a little more like God himself than are the angels, though our habitat is in the lower regions of the universe. The principal difference between God's total freedom of action and that of man's is that God's freedom of action is always put to constructive use. Whereas man frequently abuses his God-given freedom to oppose the expressed will of his creator. At any rate, not being hampered by limitations imposed by having a body, the qualitative freedom of God is far superior to that of man. And this is why the Torah uses the comparative kidmutenu to show that the comparison is limited. But here again, at the very beginning of Breshit, we are establishing that humanity has this choice. And perhaps this is why Rambam, remember, let's go back to that halacha that we quoted in Rambam, when Rambam wants to say in Hilchot Tshuva that man has free choice, he brings a pasuk from this Gan Eden story. Taking it a step further, the Ramban, when he talks about our verses in Nitzavim, it talks about in those verses to talk about the redemption, that God is going to give us a new heart. Umal Hashem et levavecha. And that he says, according to Ramban, there's going to be a change in our human existence, that there's going to be a removal of the Yetzer Hara the evil inclination. And this is the vision of the era of Mashiach, the days of the final redemption, when we will no longer have an inclination for rebellion and we will live in harmony with ourselves and God. 
There will no longer be this inner struggle. Should I choose this or choose that? But the Ramban goes even further. He sees this change that's described in Nitzavim as the return to the era long ago. He views the change as a return to the world of Gan Eden. In Gan Eden, man lived in harmony with God. It reflects the perfect together of man and his maker. Tshuva takes us back to the exact point of departure. It is the return in a literal sense of the world. It's interesting that this verse from Nitzavim, Umal Hashem et Levavecha, that laves our echa, if you take the first letters, you get the letters Elul. And Elul is the time of the year that we are supposed to make the choice to remove our Yetzirah. And only when we make the change in ourselves can we return to this stage, get close to God, and try to come back on the road that leads to Gan Eden. There is another similarity that we need to talk about, and that is that once man is chased out of Gan Eden, what is put on the road to guard the way to the tree of life? The Kruvim. There is only one other place where the term Kruvim is used, and that is the Kruvim that sit on top of the Aron protecting the Luchot. So that the comparison between these two ideas is that it is one has to go through the Kruvim to get to the tree of life. What is the tree of life that we have today, based on the pasuk that we're all familiar with. Eitz chayim hi lamachazikim ba. That it is the Torah that is the Eitz chayim that is protected by the Kruvim actually in the Aron and the Kruvim that stand outside of Gan Eden. And it is the way for man to return, to reconnect with God when he is able to connect back to the Torah. So that we have here in Devarim a repeat of the Gan Eden, of the choices of the Tov and the Ra, of the Kruvim, of the Shamayim, of the Aretz, because we have this idea that God wants mankind to take the land of Israel and use it as a way of reconnecting with God, of developing the relationship with him. And this is something that we strive to do, particularly during this time of year. And I'd like to end with a quote from Viktor Frankl's Man Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl, living in the concentration camp, writes, Everything can be taken from a person but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one way. Frankl's teaching about the ability to choose 
how we approach the challenges of our lives is all the more powerful when we remember what it was that he experienced. As a prisoner and ultimately a survivor of numerous concentration camps, he writes about the darkness of the camps and he says, but there are always choices to be made every day, every hour. Offer the opportunity to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to the powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom, which determined whether or not you became the plaything of circumstances, renouncing freedom and dignity. May it be God's will that we are able to make the proper choices, we're able to make good choices, and that we will be blessed this coming year with a year of prosperity, health, and all good. Before we go, I would just like to remind everyone that Matan's Elul program will be taking place this year from August 29th through September 2nd, and the academic year will begin on Sunday, October 10th. You can find all the information you need to register on Matan's website, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you there in person. Please, God, everyone should have a healthy and wonderful summer. Thanks for listening. You can stream and download all Matan podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and Matan's website. Feel free to share feedback with us as you listen. You can write us at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Lastly, please do Matan Podcast and Women's Torah Learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new audiences. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>